Hey, welcome back to The Craft, where we explore what we're learning about the creative process. I'm Colby, and I'm here with my friend Carter. And today, we are on part two of our new series, Creative First Principles. And today's episode is about is called Revise. So I'm super excited. Episode two of four. Last week, we talked about Create, which is the first principle. And during this series, we're going over four principles that are pretty much the building blocks of everything we're going to talk about on this show. Create, revise, share, and <laughs> I forgot sustain. it. Sustain. Thank come you. out of the dark. <laughs> yes. And so in, in these conversations, um, our goal is to basically set up what is the creative process, do this 30,000 foot view, overview of everything, and then... Um, hopefully in the future we'll do episodes that kind of dive into each of those parts and all the things that go into create and revise and et cetera. So in each episode, we're asking five questions who, well, who is implied it's me and you and you listeners, um, what, when, where, why, and how. And so we're using those first principle questions to ask questions of the creative first principles. And, uh, yeah, so far it's been really fun. I really had a good time in the last episode and excited to do it again. Yeah, for sure. And so today we're getting to something, revision, getting to um, thinking about the revision process as its standalone principle. And that was one uh, of the distinctions that uh, we mentioned last time, which I think is helpful. Like, why did we create, why did we want to separate revision from uh, the creative process? Because I think we're really, we're entering into a different kind of, um, different kind of way of looking at our work. And so, Colby, I guess the first question is, what is revision? So in your mind, if you're thinking about, yeah, what is revision, given a definition or yeah. um, a scope, uh, what comes to mind? Refining. Purifying, maybe? Cle- like, not purifying, that sounds kind of, I don't know, ethical or something, <laughs> but like, uh, like taking something that is not ready to be completed doesn't have the stamp of approval and it's it's just taking it uh another level is leveling it up giving it higher quality um i think that there's just that's what refined revision is big picture and then there's a million different there's lots of different steps that revision takes you can revise different parts of your work you can revise the process of how you create, there's just like a lot of different ways you can apply it, but big picture, it's um, it's this process that happens after you come up with a lot of ideas. It seems like there's this general concept of ideation and coming up with concepts and ideas and then refining, picking the ones you're going to follow and pursue, and then you execute on those ideas. You actually maybe start the writing or start the music pro- recording process or you start filming and then there's the editing process where you, and then revision is all, like, that's almost all under the creative aspect. And then there's like, you do another round of editing where you're more critical than you were beforehand. Cause you're not, you have the ideas. And so now you need to like uh, stress test them in a way and say like, are they good enough? And are the video cuts good enough? Or are the sounds good enough in your song or the writing in each paragraph? And then there's obviously like within each craft, there's going to be different 
checkpoints or a rubric that you need to follow in order to like revise. Yeah, you know? and you've I like how you said like you become critical, right? You've moved yeah. into the critical mindset um, of revision, and you know to kind of forward a metaphor that I think is helpful. Uh, I've kind of explained this. It's something I think about myself as a writer. The first draft of something that creative is kind of like if you're going to chisel something out of marble, mm-hmm. you've got the broad contours of a person. Maybe you're going to do a statue yeah. of a person, and then in the re- in revision, just like you said, you're moving to something that's more precise, something that's more mm-hmm. organized. You take something that's kind of unwieldy, like this big blockish looking shape, and then you start yeah. working on the forearm. Right, and then you start working on right uh, the wrinkles on the knuckles. Right, mm-hmm. those sort of um, the details come. But one of the things that I think avoid a mistake in approaching revision is to think that it's just about details. And I think this is something that you mentioned first of all that was really helpful. You might have to go do something completely different. And you talked about like throwing ideas out. I think sometimes people hear re- revision and they think, oh, that's like spell check. Like, oh, I, I fix my mistakes. Like, revision's not fixing mistakes. It can be. But it's like the critical process in which you, I mean, you, you might do a lot of work in revision. And that's something that I, you know, I think you know, that's where it actually happens. Like, writing is revision. Revision, when you're organizing and you're connecting and you're clarifying and you're making more articulate and precise. Like, all of those things aren't fixing problems. I mean, they are fixing problems, but you're you're actually... I don't know. Does that does that distinction make sense to you? Kind of what Definitely. I'm getting at. That's like there's this. Essentially, it's it's like you could say, "Yeah, I wrote the paper and I did it in one sitting. It's good to go." Like, what do you? I don't need to change anything, you know. But then you can look at that and say, "Okay, you did the assignment. You understood the assignment, but you didn't." Um, there's there's a lack of craftsmanship really you know like to make something go from acceptable to great is a big there's a big leap that happens and i guess i don't know if i'm articulating this well but yeah it's the idea that um your first idea like don't trust your first idea is kind of what we're getting at you're you're moving yeah you're moving past like it works right you're going from utility to beauty you know and to the aesthetics of like not just spell check and grammar, but uh, do my ideas make an impact? Are they meaningful? Are they organized well? Are they fitting the context? Am I in, you know, tipping my hat to the people who came before me in this craft? You know, all those kind of like things that take something from good to great, really. So like, and it's, like, yeah, revision as something that's like meta. I think that's like a way hmm. to think of it. Like you've created it and now it's meta in the way that now you are looking at it from the outside. Mm-hmm. Does that seem? Yeah, that's like, interesting because you're you start with you have to turn off your judgment, turn off that critic, and just be willing to look stupid. I actually wanted to mention this last episode, but there's a songwriter I was talking to recently, and he said he he was saying he said something like it's it can be challenging because you have to start with a bad idea or something to that effect. You know, like you have to start with a bad first or maybe he was it was actually talking about recording in the process of how you have to start with a a rough sound and then you have to refine and that can be really hard to get over at first if you still have that critic on because you know it's when the the negative self-talk comes in for me of like oh that's a lame idea 
that's that's lame. That's not good enough. That's not as cool as this person. And all those doubts are so unhelpful because it's not at the phase where you're ready to show someone else. Do you know? And so that's, that's so good. It's like, yes, maybe that's true. Maybe this is not good enough for someone else. Maybe this is crappy, but that's kind of the point. I need to go through 20 crappy ideas to get to a good one. And so almost like having to accept that, yeah, this is crappy. Stop talking critic, you know, and just like setting aside that voice and, and then letting, um, really rough ideas, accepting mistakes, accepting those like failures, quote unquote, because those are the only way that you get to the good stuff. You know, that's so consistent in so many creative people I've heard writers, just so many creative people have like that are very successful have just seemed to say something to the effect of like you have to i heard someone say like if you can't come up with one good idea give yourself make yourself write down 20 bad ideas and and it's just like sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves to like or at least me i can only speak for myself so much pressure sometimes comes down to like this one song or this one thing so sometimes the best thing I can do is say like, I'm going to make five things and maybe they're going to be five crappy things, but I can almost have this like, well, I made five quantity, you know? So like the quality sucked, but like I feel proud of the quantity of output and it at least helps me. Um, Ed Sheeran, he talks about the songwriting process as turning on a faucet in an old house and it's got this gross water muddy water coming out at first and then you just leave that faucet on which means you know writing more and more and more songs and then the water starts to come out a little clearer and a little clearer and it looks a little bit like more drinkable you know and um that's like the process of just create 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 and and refine and revise um so that was a ramble but yeah there's so much good stuff turn the tap on and the thing, turn the tab on. The thing that it that it, like resonates with me is if you're like if we go back to that kind of metaphor that I was thinking about. Um, if you go for that first uh, session of sculpting and you've mm-hmm. got the broad outlines of a person, and you go to uh-huh. up to the hand and you're like, well, that doesn't look like a hand. It just looks like a big block. Yeah, like, yeah there's yeah. no fingernail there. Mm. It's like, well, yeah, there's no fingernail there. Like you haven't <laughs> got to that level yet. And so I think that was that's just immediately kind of what I was thinking of mm. when you said that. Of um, you said something to the along the lines of like we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. Like like the creative aspect mm-hmm. is like okay we're not there yet, so I shouldn't be acting like oh it doesn't look like a fingernail. Like it doesn't sound like how I want it to sound yet. It's like well yeah of course you haven't mixed it. Exactly. <laughs> you haven't recorded it. This is the demo or whatever. Yeah. Perfect. And so I think I think the revision process thinking. Uh, about this is it's starting to move that first that first take that uh, first kind of big sketch that uh, that big blocky uh, sculpture and start to get give it more precision and give it more intention uh, and and being able to say okay this is what I'm working with and moving it in a direction and you yeah. know it's easy to say like that I think I think we both really love revision it's something that I see in, like, in teaching composition classes. A lot of time, and I was the same way, students don't think about revision as they're writing. They think about, I write it, then I read over it to make sure there are no mistakes, hmm. and then I kind of turn it in. And it, It's not like 
like that's the mindset. In some ways, you have to do that because you have so much to do as a student. Um, but I feel like with the creative process, for sure, uh, it's a thing where revision is where the work gets done. Mm. Like you keep that faucet on in order to get to the get to the stuff that you can really work mm. with. And I think revision is that that process in which you're refining. I like the word refining. And I think you're just making it more intentional. There's some quote. I can't remember who said it. Um, it was a writer. Revision is when you make it look like... It's when you make it look like you meant it to look the first time. Like mm. In revision is where what you wrote, uh, you make it look like that's how it was going to be all along. And really, mm. it's not. So, yeah, I, that's I so agree good. with a lot of what you're saying there. <laughs> Revision when you make make it look like your your greatest work was effortless, but it really took all that extra exactly. work of create like you know draft after draft after version after version. That's really cool. Can you talk about the you you were talking earlier about like global revision versus local revision? You break that down a little bit. Yeah, and I think this I think this gets into why we revise some too, and so this mm-hmm. might be a little bit of a, a segue. Uh, it's helpful adopting what you were talking about with like you got a critical mindset. You can look at the fingernails or you can look at the shape of the torso. I, I love, I'm staying with my metaphor. I'm sorry yeah. if people don't like my metaphor. But it's like you can look at how the body's positioned, which is uh-huh. a global concern. Does it sound how I want it to sound? Does the paper actually convince the reader that? This is a solid argument. Mm-hmm. Or you can look at, is that a believable movement in the veins of the hand, a local concern? Is the yeah. sentence clear? Uh, is it grammatically correct? Is that the right word I want to use? Uh, or is the connotation of that different? Right? You can get down to the details, and you need to do both. But there's a tendency to say, okay, i got to fix the local concern, and the global concerns can get neglected. And so it's, I think it's nice. It's helpful. Uh, even thinking about revision uh, for my own work, to have some, like, okay, I've got my critical mindset. Am I thinking about global things or am I thinking about local things? And I typically work global first and then local. Really really broad, yeah. but that's kind of, and the, and the why there is you're moving it more precise, mm-hmm. right? You're getting more detail and um, you're getting it to, to where you're hoping that it would be. That's really cool. I think I'm, you probably could guess, but I'm like the inverse where it's like I can fixate on the local concerns before I remember the global, you know? So it's like getting distracted by a sound that feels off or something that I'm just worried isn't good enough. Like kind of that idea of like, this doesn't look like a fingernail yet. And it's like, well, I know I'm not there yet, but it's really bothering me that this doesn't look like a fingernail. Because it and, needs to look like a fingernail. Yeah, That's the thing, but, too. Like, it's in yeah, the details. Yeah. And so it's yeah, like, it's but, not as if the local concerns aren't, like, <laughs> super important. It's just that, I think it's just the order, though. Because if I'm fixating on that and it's discouraging me from looking at the global concerns, you know, then I think it's just, it's just a roadblocker in my mind for moving forward and making progress in a project, you know? So I think there's just got to be, yeah, I think there's just, that's just, something that I deal with is being more, it's easier for me to think about like, okay, we have these 30 steps we need to do and be very focused on all the details and then not, you know, you kind of forget like, why did we want to write this song? Like, what's the theme? Is it conveying that theme? You know what I mean? So 
I think that's just something that's good for me to remember is like the global concerns. Cause something I'm, this makes me think of is like you can't, that I don't know if it's actually like a phrase people will say or not, but you know, the idea of like, you can't polish a turd, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you can't make in production. There's kind of this thought of like bad songwriting can only be helped so much by a good production you know like you need the meat and potatoes of the song which is like the lyrics and the melody and the chords the backbone to be good like you it's kind of like you could have really crappy writing with this like beautiful design but it's still crappy writing and it's so production is almost like the design in that metaphor you know and it can make it look really good but it could still be just crap content and so yeah i really like that i think that's i i think in some ways that's thinking about okay uh the refinement is really good but like if your global concerns are off right like there's a problem that's kind of what i was getting if if you're if you've got like a bone skeletal problem then your face cream doesn't really matter as much (laughs) yeah 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 i that's a really weird metaphor but yes (laughs) Uh, yeah, totally. It's like, I think that's exactly what I was getting at. If my, what, like kind of a question that comes with that is like, when should I decide revision isn't the problem here? I'm working on the wrong project. Like I need to abandon this song because I need to turn the faucet on meaning like I need to just keep making other ideas and maybe I'm going to revision way too soon, but instead I need to be sticking to this create step where I'm like, generating ideas testing them out really fast and not committing to anything i'm very uncommitted i'm very casual about every idea no promises until something is just like uh kind of the idea of like if it's not a hell yes it's a no kind of thing that phrase i think i don't remember who it's from but you know that sort of idea where you until you come up with an idea that you're so confident in then you just say no to everything and you just keep making ideas, you know? I really like that because it goes back to the uh, what we were talking about last episode with it being a nonlinear process of like you're going to switch between revision and create. Like mm-hmm. revise and create, revise and create. And a lot of times when you, you know, you encounter something when you're revising, you're like, I hate that. I can't believe I wrote that. Like that's so bad. Mm-hmm. Like just, I, but that's fine, right? You just, you you chop it off and then you go back and try to create something with that knowledge. Hmm. And so I think that, I don't know, that was just like, I think you're totally right. The revision process is also knowing when you need to go back and create something different Mm -hmm. or you need to change focus Um, because it's not until you get that meta position when you're outside that you can really see what's going on. Have you had a lot of projects in the past year or two that you've abandoned or kind of had that happen? You know, I think it's easiest when you look at like past work and you're like, oh gosh, this was not very good. Hmm. And like your your critical refinement has changed, and so you're like, I thought that looked like a fingernail, but it really doesn't, <laughs> right? Or like I thought this was doing something, but it's really not because you've rev- you've done more revision. So now like you, mm. you're like you're more mature in a hundred ways. Um, but I think even like that's like the macro way to think about it, like past work, but even like day to day. I think just going back and rereading, and this is kind of going to, I don't want to jump out of order, but like how to revise, 
the idea of like rereading, like sometimes, like uh, like when I'm working on a creative piece of fiction, like mm-hmm. I read a dialogue that I wrote or like a screenplay, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is, this sounds like cardboard. Like this is so stiff. Like there's no like who talks like that. Like my academic style of writing will get into dialogue. And you're like nobody nobody says that. Uh, and it's just the act of rereading it that I'm like, oh my goodness, th- this is so stiff. Mm-hmm. It's doing what I want to do, but it's not doing it in the way that I'd like it to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, does that kind of get at that a little bit? What you were yeah, asking? Yeah, just I think just yeah, you're saying just in, it's kind of a day to day thing for you to look into your own writing, do the read out loud test, and it kind of re- can reveal whether something needs to be take it back to the create step or if it does need to be revised. Yeah, that's good. So can we maybe, let's, yeah, we're at 20 minutes, so let's keep moving forward on these questions. Are um, we at why right now? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to, I feel like we kind of touched on it, but maybe we tap into that a little more. Yeah, you want to. Oh, you want me there? to, cover? yeah, sure. Why revise, Colby? I mean, I think a lot of what we've covered already connects to it. The idea of just, you have something that is, you have the statue that's the right shape, but it's not the, you know it's not David yet. You know what I mean? You haven't defined what it is other than like, it's a human and you now need to take it into an actual, to be a specific person and with hair and fingernails and like those details. And, um, so I think revision and honestly, maybe more of that. I think there's still a layer of detail. That's just a part of the create process too, personally, because revision can also be, Maybe the lines are blurred, but like revision can happen while you work on the earlier stages and it can happen when you're like, I feel pretty good about this, but I know I should revise it. You know, like there's also still probably revisions left to be done, you know? So I don't know if that's worth distinguishing, but I think you revise to make it better pretty much, pretty straightforward. And that's uh, the difference between like, there's probably a lot of writing that I've done because that's not my main craft Although I guess in marketing, it really is a very important part of my job. Um, But there's probably a lot of writing I've done that I was satisfied with the utility. You know, like this achieves the, you know, I'm writing a blog about how to make a podcast or something. And I'm just like, okay, I taught them how to do that. And I'm not going back and like laboring over like stuff like syntax or something. You know what I mean? Like I just. It's proportional. I think in that way, like some stuff, like. Some things, some things need to be revised heavily, and some things don't need to be revised that much. Like, there's a limit to how much I'm going to revise an email. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's a firm rule. Like, so I think it, I think it's also mm-hmm. situational. Like, some things need more revision than other things do. But like, why do we revise? Because you can't not revise. Like, if you if you really want to make something meaningful. I think you have to revise. Like there's no other yeah. way, there's no other way to make anything with any sort of intention. I think that's kind of that's kind of what I was getting at. I'm not trying to shoot down my writing or anything, but it's like I don't look at myself as the greatest writer or even as I I would say I look at myself as someone who's aspiring to be a good copywriter for marketing, you know, and using writing to be effective and clearly communicate but I'm not seeking to like do creative writing or literature, things like you. And so it's, since it's not my craft of choice, I'm more content, like you said, of just like, well, this works. And so I'm good with not revising it. But then when it comes to um, like music or some of the more fine, like specific creative aspects of marketing, then I'm, 
I'm going to spend a lot more time refining, revising. And I guess what I was getting at is it's really the difference between not like being an amateur and being pursuing excellence, you know, like, and I, I am striving to pursue excellence in all of my marketing work as well, but it's just a blog is more utilitarian to me and has more business goals to it than, um, maybe if I was writing a personal blog about like something I'm passionate about, they're different contexts for sure. So, so yeah, it just shows me like there's something different to the way I approach music because I, I mean, it really comes back to this whole, this narrative of like, I am aspiring to be a better producer and grow and, and, you know, kind of like to play in the arena, you have to like meet the standards kind of thing. So I don't know. A lot of good stuff there. I think, why I, I was even what's that why not why, why? it was the stuff good but why revise i'm just kicking it back to you <laughs> sorry i should have just not said anything yeah that's good the well i was i kind of at the end i was thinking about like revision broadly uh-huh. like we revise all the time like in i revise how i interact with my wife <laughs> i revise how i teach i revise yeah. how i try to do a task around the house right i i think mm-hmm. like if we think about revision in the broadest sense like we're always adjusting. We're like always adjusting to can we do something better? Can we, you know, not only can we get affect a better result, but like, like I think even just the process of like maturing and growing up and learning, like learning in the broadest sense, is always like revising. Hmm. We're always in the midst of thinking about revision, and I guess it's always oriented towards growth and so i think we can mm. you can really embrace sometimes revision can be a, a kind of a slog but you can really embrace mm-hmm. it as hey this is instrumental in growth mm. this is a really like uh, it's inextricable from the process i.e why we did creative first principles uh and that's why it's a it's a pillar like everybody's doing it whatever you're doing yeah. you're revising and if you're editing uh your photography on, on Photoshop, you're revising, right? And it's like, there's all sorts of different disciplines here. Mm-hmm. And I like the idea of getting uh, more precise. Also, if you don't like our metaphor of the statue, mm-hmm. or you do like it, let us know. Email us at <laughs> HeyCraft, right? HeyCraft Podcast. HeyCraft yeah. Podcast at Gmail. And let us know, like, do you buy the metaphor? Is there a... Um, a caveat you want to add? I don't know. Interested to hear. <laughs> Carter but, coming in with the plugs. <laughs> got it. I don't know. I, I'm interested. I, yeah. I, I like it. It's compelling to me. It's something that I've thought yeah. about. But is there a different way to think about it? Is there yeah. another metaphor that's helpful? I don't know. A I'm curious. Growing. <laughs> I want to hear. I'd love to hear some feedback uh, on that. Yeah. So why revise? You have to revise. Period. Full stop. So how do you revise? Can you go into that? Yeah, I guess that's the uh, the question. Yeah, uh, sure. How do you revise? I think you, this is going to be a really discipline-specific one okay. for me. Yeah. You get So for writing, you, you need to reread. I think a reverse outline is a really cool way to revise. And basically, that? so after a lot of times everyone's kind of familiar with an outline before you write, but a reverse outline is taking what you have and for each paragraph uh, saying, okay, what is the topic of this paragraph? And what is it trying to accomplish? And when you do that, sometimes you, you find out that, hey, I've got three different topics in this paragraph. And it's like, it's cluttered. 
It's trying to do different things. Uh, I need to break these ideas into their own paragraphs. And it's basically taking stock of what you've written, uh, outlining it, and then looking at the outline. And, and, and a lot of times it's really helpful because you'll encounter where you're trying to do too much in one paragraph. And you're like, okay, well, actually, I should just split this up. Hmm. Um, and it also gets you to think about like global concerns of, is it helpful to do this uh, counter argument here, or is it helpful if I moved it up? Like, where does it fit? And so you're not only thinking about the paragraph, but you're thinking about the paragraph in relationship to the other paragraphs. So that's something that huh. I like to do, uh, a reverse outline, because okay. it's a nice way to like step back and start with those global concerns before getting into, like, is this topic sentence clear? Is that argument clear? And so that's one of the ways that I like to revise. Um, and it's kind of, like, super specific, but... That's pretty cool. I've never heard that term before. Um, so you literally just write out, like, you go top to bottom through your writing, and you just put, like, the same, like, Roman numerals kind of style, do an outline, what's the topic of each paragraph? Yeah, I mean, I'll use Scrivener, which I really, really love Scrivener. Uh, that'll probably come up a lot, but like literally what is this paragraph doing? Titling the paragraph, moving it around, throwing it out. Um, I I think one of the big things that helped me, like how I revise, I've become more, I don't know what the way, I don't know the best way to say this. Like I'm fine scrapping more stuff. Like my revisions now can be huge. Like, like just cut the whole page. Like that was something that really hurt me wow. for a while. But it's like, yeah. okay, if it's not good, and this is so, I've had so many wonderful teachers who uh, it seems like a common thing is um, like condense, make this more concise, cut mm. this. Like you don't need this. Like like winnowing down. And I feel like I'm, I'm like, I have more practice with that now. So I'm like, okay, we'll just cut the paragraph. Like mm. just write a new one. Where I think previously I would have been like, oh, I don't want to cut it. Like, yeah. Like it kind of hurt to cut it. But now I feel like I'm very, uh, more liberal with my yeah. with my uh, uh, with what I'm slashing and changing and, yeah. and moving and that sort of thing and it's really freeing and I think it's helpful. That's kind of cool because for me, I I've read recently. You know, it's just a principle in psychology that people um, loss aversion is what it's called. You know, we are more prone to like if you give someone something, they're more prone to just want to hold on to that thing than to let go and even if it costs them more to keep it. So I'm trying, I don't know if I have a real world example, but really just like we're more, we care more about losing stuff than gaining something new. So and we so, really don't do one in the hand, two in the bush. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it's like kind of like you'll see this everywhere in like sales and marketing because rather than saying like, um, I don't know. There's a lot of ways that it can apply, but really it's the idea that we'd rather not like, like once you get invest in something, you're more likely to, to carry it out as well. So like there's a lot of marketing examples, but they're not really worth going into. But yeah, the, that idea for me is that whenever I like make something, I'm so much more afraid to or like unwilling to get rid of it and slash it like you're saying. But, you know, my friend Emmanuel, he said like, he said something to the effect of like, I'm always going to come up with more ideas. Like he's, I mean, he said it humbly, but he's like, I'm always going to come up with more ideas. Like, so I don't really concern myself with like, it's almost like he was saying, I hold them very loosely because I just make more. And you can look at your ideas with so much 
preciousness before it's the right time to That's do so that. Good. That's so good. And you're holding, you're clinging onto things with this control of like, but I put so much into this. Whereas I feel like that lightness that he has that you're describing is like so healthy because you're, it keeps you in that generative state where it's like, I'm not, it's the kind of like an abundance versus scary it keeps city the mindset. Going, kind you know, of like you were talking about. Yeah. It's like scarcity says, I have to hold on to this paragraph. It's too good. Like, I don't want to write a new one. That's more work. But abundance is like, this might not be that good. Maybe just throw it away and just make a new one. And guess what? I can always write a new paragraph and maybe it'll be better. So I I just think that's, that's something that like calls me out because I am so prone to just like laboring over something way past the point where I should just like, probably just scrap it and try something new. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I'm reminded of, uh, I think Hemingway rewrote the ending of a farewell to arms like 47 times or something like that. <laughs> wow. So it's like, yeah, there's, I love that how you phrased it with a scarcity versus abundance. Uh huh. Like uh, just like write the thing again. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It is. I just, I feel like it's really tough and it's not like I'm great at this, but it's something looking back over the last, five years that uh-huh. I can see has changed. Yeah. Like I'm more willing to be like, okay, I just, just throw it away. Mm-hmm. And then it's okay. Like we'll, we'll come up with something new. Kind of mm-hmm. like Emmanuel was saying, like I'll think of something else. Like we can do that, but it is yeah. tough. It's a tough thing to do. Yeah, man. I, uh, I love that. It's good stuff. I guess I'm, I'm ready to move to the next one. If you are. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Where do you revise? You know, star us on this one. Sure. Um, I guess there could be both like a physically, you know, do you revise in a coffee shop, like you said, or do you, you know, where do you revise? Like um, what, what parts of your project do you revise? Like, so for me in music, I'll talk about that second question. For me in music, I revise. Um, I, I recently was trying to break all the music creation categories or do kind of sort of a first principles of music, you know? And I think that there's, oh man, I haven't written them somewhere, but there's like lyrics, melody. For a producer, I guess there's less of the lyrics part. There's uh, chords, melody, instruments, sound design, mixing, mastering. Um, I think that I covered everything like six, five to seven categories. I think those are all of them. And so revision kind of happens along each of those steps in some regards. So whenever I'm revising a song or, or really whenever I create a song, everything's pretty loose until I get to sound design and mixing and mastering. Those three steps is harder for me to do this whole, like it's harder for me to be really like loose and make a bunch of just crazy decisions i'm so much more like trying to get it right the first time i think that's probably something i should get better at is like mixing with more freedom to get creative you know but i would say revising comes into play more so it's easier for me to revise at least whenever i'm like in the early stages of just throwing around ideas and then it gets progressively harder because i get more precious about well, I've already made this. I don't want to change the sound four more times or I don't want to, I just want to be, I want to get it done, you know? And so. That's a really good, Yeah, I, I, just to jump in here for a second, I, I think that's a really good tension to bring up 
because one of the things that we'll talk about with our third creative principle sharing is that like when what are the limits of revision because it can become like a cycle of uh-huh. i've done this sound like five times or whatever number of times like you can reach the point where i think you get to like diminishing returns yeah and so part of it's like eventually like you do have to put something there and you hope that it's clear like okay this was the right sound uh-huh but it's not always clear yeah and so i, I don't know that, that i just i was reminded of that mm. when you when you were talking there yeah so i mean that's it for me i revise all along but it progressively gets harder as I get closer because those are pretty organized in the linear process. Like there's lyric, like melody and chords are to, and, and some instrumentation that's, those are pretty early on in the process, like building blocks of a song. And then you have sound design, which is like crafting the specific way those instruments sound and drum sound. And then sound design bleeds into mixing. Cause it's like, how do we pan things and how do we use reverb and effects and volume and space to make, you feel something emotionally and and communicate a story and then mastering is literally kind of like the very definition of revise because it's like making small fine-tuned adjustments to prepare it for streaming and radio and stuff so like obviously revision is a part of the whole process but it really music really for me follows that same structure of of global to local but it gets harder to revise as I get closer towards the refining part at the end because I get so much more like (laughs) sometimes I just I'm like sick of doing a song so I'm just like I don't want to revise this again and so also I think with production it's hard because there's another part of this revision process which is called (laughs) revision requests from when you're doing a service for someone you know you're writing a song for them you're making a song for them you're writing a paper for someone like and they're in charge and they're the boss kind of thing i mean as a producer like i love working with the people i work with but they're it's just like the work is hard and there's a point where it's it gets frustrating to like I know it's right. I know their advice is true or like these revisions need to happen, but it gets frustrating because there's a point where I'm like, I want to finish this song, get paid for this work and move on. And sure. in that phase of revision, when you have two people working together, it's kind of worth, it might be worth talking about a little bit because it's like a hard place to be because it's important because you don't want to settle, but it's tricky. You know, it's just, it's just can be tiring. I, I guess, like you said, it's a slog or whatever the word was you use. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a fundamental challenge of collaboration in some ways. Yeah. Um, and I like how you, how you kind of linked it to if you're doing work for someone, which I think is really good because obviously you want to give them something that they, they're like, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. this is what I wanted. Um, but even when you're just collaborating, I think you can have different mm-hmm. agendas for revision. And sometimes those can be in conflict. Um, and then also I think very just like naturally you can get tired of revision. And sometimes I think that's helpful when you just put it away if you can. Yeah. So like, I mean, that's different than when you got to hit a deadline, uh, like you're talking about, like you're working with someone, you got to get through it. Uh, and sometimes revision stinks. I mean, revisions, it's not like this is glamorous in any way. I mean, sometimes it's really fun because things shape up quickly, but sometimes it's, it's like, oh, I've got to go, like if I get a paperback, here are the, the comments from the readers. For like a journal or something. Mm-hmm. This is what they okay. want you to change. You're like, 
okay, pull the paper back out. Try to remember where I was, you know, five months ago when I wrote this thing. <laughs> like, what was I thinking about? Like, yeah. do let me add what they were interested. You know, it can be kind of tedious in that way. So it, it's definitely. I totally. I guess that was my connection with sure a kind of very similar kind of. Here, here's what you need to fix in order to get it published, or here's what you need to do in order for us to like check this off. Yeah. So sometimes it's like you got to sit down and put them in. But what's our takeaway from that? Like, it can stink sometimes. I I, yeah, I think it's just like like you you said earlier. You have to do it. Sometimes it sucks. (laughs) Do you? uh, Where do you revise? I think I'll just I'll just second what you were saying. If I move from local, I mean I move from global to local. In a very similar way. I mean, I mentioned the verse outline, and then I read everything out loud, pretty much. Like, I don't think I turned in anything, really, without reading it aloud. For some reason, that's how I kind of revise. Um, And where I move from paragraphs to sentences, it's kind of a very... okay. I mean, that's for... I feel like I'm so in academic writing right now. A lot of my ideas are about that. I mean, if I was revising a poem, it's obviously different than that. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's different in some ways and similar in others. But yeah, I move from paragraphs to sentences okay. and I move from sentences to words. Do you separate out like I'm working on grammar right now versus I'm working on syntax or word choice or I don't even know what the categories are for you? But Yeah, I mean, those kind of blur together. I mean, when I'm reading aloud, I'm really trying to listen to like cadence and rhythm and like does this sound unified i think is a good word like is this sentence unified is this paragraph unified like i'm listening for that uh and i'm also listening reading allows just a great way to catch mistakes and Mm -hmm. catch weird phrasings and catch things that are going to take away from your clarity and so i am doing those if i if you really wanted to get specific i almost said specific uh yeah you would say okay i'm thinking just about the meanings of the words that i've written and that's something i need to improve on because as i get closer to the local I make more mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like I'll, I'll do a yeah. word and like the, like a, a professor or someone will be like, is that the right word? Like that doesn't really seem to fit that well. And then I'll go back and be like, oh yeah, that that's probably not the best word there. And it's I feel like I, I'm much more comfortable working at the global level hmm. or the paragraph level or the idea level. But it's in those details, like the fingernail. <laughs> it's kind of cool because we have a, a bit of an inversion there where you're so more comfortable seeing the big picture and focusing on the broad strokes. And I'm so more focused on the word choice type stuff that it's just interesting to see the opposite perspective and see like, Oh, there's, it's like, it's a good problem to have in a way. Like it's really good that you have that. You're, I would say more of the visionary of the two of us where you're like big vision for the future, big picture. And I'm more of like, okay, here's how we get it done. Kind of guy. But it's good to like feed off that for each other and learn those invert. Like you inspire me to to think more that way, and hopefully vice versa. It's kind of cool for sure, man. And I think I mean one of the things that I think is such a strength of your yeah a strength of your strength is that the those detail questions matter, and you're also really good at asking the questions that I don't think about. Hmm. Like there's questions that I'm like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. But then sometimes like you'll come in and we're like, well, like what are the questions that need to be asked? What about this? Like what about that? And it's not just like uh, big picture like uh, logistics. It's like kind of something different. It's like a, a mindedness about the details. 
that you need it. Like, and so listener, whoever uh, I'm talking to you right now, uh, whoever a listener is, think about your own craft. Like when you're revising, do you think that you're more concerned with kind of global concerns or local concerns? I mean, I think that's a worthwhile conversation to have with yourself and maybe with someone else because I think it, it, it helps you revise even your own process. Like I need to make sure I'm mindful of the local concerns. Like I, like I need intentionally to look at those things mm-hmm. because I'm not going to just naturally fixate on them. Yeah. I think that's good stuff. You tapped on this earlier, but um, when when do you revise? I think this gets into I think this gets into kind of the nonlinear aspect. I revise a mm-hmm. lot when I'm creating and when I'm writing. But then there's like a final revision. So when kind of during, but pretty much after. <laughs> no, I, it's not really that helpful. It's a good good answer. Kind of during, but pretty much after. <laughs> uh, that's I don't know. Do you have something? Yeah. No, I mean after we've really the first one. We've really covered it. I think just implicitly already. But you do that whole principle one. You create. You generate a bunch of ideas. You start something. You start having a direction, a vision for your project, and then you. I mean, every step along that way is a form of revision, but then there's this different mindset we keep alluding to where we go from not critical to critical. And I mean, for me, it's kind of difficult. It's more difficult. I don't know what's most common, but for me, it's like, it's easy to be critical. It's hard to just judgment-free create and just throw paint on the canvas and just no judgment. Like nothing stupid, no ideas bad. Everything is... because. That voice is just there for me saying that's silly, that's a little kitsch or that's a little cheesy or that's a little whatever. There's all those phrases and things pop into your head when when you're creating. But yeah, I think uh, like the the two the different revision begins whenever big picture revision begins whenever you turn that critic back on, but in a constructive way, like not in the self-deprecating way, but in the like constructive way of I'm trying to really critically like make sure that this stands up to a certain level of quality you know so and you know kind of maybe the last thing that I'll say on this we'll get into this a little bit in part three with share mm-hmm. but oftentimes part of the revision process is feedback which feeds yeah. into <laughs> yeah it, feedback feeds yeah feedback feeds into the revision process and I think that could be one of the the most painful parts of revision when you get, and we kind of talked about this a little bit, but like when you get comments back and you're like, oh, that was like, that wasn't that good or this didn't work or I missed this. Like, it's kind of like, like sometimes I'll see an email with like review and I just want to open the email. Like, I know it's there, but it's like I don't want to look at it because it's yeah. kind of painful. It's like it's a humbling thing. Like uh-huh. revision, I think, is humbling in a lot of ways, or it should be. And that's, um, but I definitely think that other people's feedback is oftentimes really closely tied, knit together with revision too. Yeah, we should tap into that more next episode because, oh man, feedback can be really hard. You know, I mean, it's even the form of feedback where you're like. 
you didn't what they left out you know the whenever they leave out like oh so you didn't notice that really cool new idea that i tried on this one or that new technique that just blew my mind that i even was able to accomplish it and then like you get no comment or like that part of the song plays and no one like even like turns a turns their head you know and you expected them to be like what like those kind of moments where you your kind of creative like experiment just goes unnoticed is almost like worse than like them saying it's bad because it's just like yeah didn't notice that that's cool like it's funny um and i think that's something we'll probably talk about i mean that's an episode right there yeah feedback like what to do with feedback yeah like do what do you keep what do you throw out how much do you change and how do you yeah when do you when are you giving people too much power with like their opinion versus you know trusting yourself and what you made so well we are at 50 minutes right now so i feel like we should lay in the plane but um do you have any more thoughts on the revision process any revisions to this episode even (laughs) when do you need to revise when you need to revise (laughs) you have to (laughs) that's that's when you do it um Yeah. yeah so i think we're both uh really clear on that love to hear what you guys think about revision how you revise methods how it changes via different crafts and across different disciplines all this stuff's really interesting uh which slides us right into uh our outro here yeah i think that's it um if you enjoyed this there's three things you can do to help us out um it would be great to subscribe so that you get notified whenever the next episode comes out like he said we're talking about sharing your work um and then also if you could share this podcast with someone who you think would enjoy listening to it. Um, that would be greatly appreciated. It's one of the main ways we're going to grow the podcast. And then three, um, if you could just send us feedback, how we can make the show better or questions that we should talk about in the future, uh, to Hey craft podcast at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, that would be great. We can't wait to hear uh, feedback. I, I know, you know, at this point it's just like my friends listening to this. And so I'm excited to hear what they have to think. And, uh, or what they think about the show. And um, hopefully uh, over time, it'll be friends of friends and I am excited to just get feedback. So hit us up. Thank you for listening. See you on the next one. Hey, thanks for listening to The Craft with Carter and Colby, where we share what we're learning about the creative process. If you're a writer, music producer, marketer, filmmaker, photographer, or you just love creativity, then this show is for you. Our cover art was designed by Elizabeth Newell. You can learn more about her work at elizabethnewelldesign.com. That's Elizabeth, N-E-W-E-L-L, design.com. And you can follow her on Instagram at elizabethisadesigner. If you like the show, there's three things you can do to help us out. First, subscribe so you learn when we post new episodes. Second, send the link to one of your friends who you think would enjoy the show. Uh, Really, word of mouth is going to be the the number one way we grow the show in any way. And three, if you have a topic you want us to cover or feedback about how we can improve the show or comments on what we've said, you can respond to heycraftpodcast at gmail.com, H-E-Y-C-R-A-F-T podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.